Welcome to Jepper Bites, a podcast that delivers thought-provoking ideas and meaningful debates from the iconic Z Jepper Literature Festival. I'm your host, Lakshdatta. In this episode, my guest is Namita Gokhale, the founder and co-director of the Z Jepper Literature Festival. Namita is an author of over a dozen fiction and non-fiction books, such as Paro, Dreams of Passion, as well as Things to Leave Behind. She is also a publisher, having co-founded Yatra Books, a multilingual publishing company. I sat down with Namita at her home just a few days prior to the upcoming 2019 festival to talk about how the festival is curated and why this year's panels, conversations, and discussions are worth listening to. I've always had an interest in the Indian languages. Uh, I can access Hindi writing. And I found in the late 90s that uh, the literature of India was moving in two very different trajectories. There was one set of writing which called itself international, supposedly, and they got all the press. They were the people who were published abroad published right. in America, published in UK. And then there was the Indian writers in the Indian languages who were never given much importance anywhere except through the Sahitya Academy or in their own languages. Right. But it was as though these were two separate universes. They lived in a day and night mode. And this infuriated me because I knew in my heart that a literary moment was about to happen in India. Because we were telling so many stories, so many narratives of the past, of the future. There was some excitement in the air. But what came in the way was the, the twice-born status of English and the, the absurd condescension with which the Indian languages were viewed. Uh, my dear friend Kushwan Singh said in an interview that the Indian languages had no vocabulary at all. It's an absurd thing to say. <laughs> Salman Rushdie wrote an introduction to an anthology somewhere where he said the only worthwhile writing in India was in English, <laughs> which, which he later changed to his right. stance. But that was the atmosphere in those days. Mm-hmm. And I, I found this, as I said, unacceptable. So in 2002, I helped the ICCR and some friends, a very capable group of friends, to organize something which was the first ever International Festival of Indian Literature, 2002, mm. in Nimrana. Right. And this was where all the fights came about and all. It simmered. Things have to simmer. They have to come to a boil and yeah. then they, they work out. So the, there was mother of all fights between many, many of the language writers and the English writers. Right. But, and many of them were deeply sensitive to these issues. Vikram Seth was there. He had just published A Suitable Boy. Yeah. Gopal Gandhi had done the brilliant translation. Very few people realized that um, Vikram is very talented in his uh, understanding and use of Hindi as well. Mm-hmm. 
Hindi poetry, he knows it well. Uh, there was uh, Sir B.S. Naipaul, uh, who had just won the Nobel Prize. There were great Indian writers like Shunil Gangopadhyay, like you are Anandamurthy, so many others. So that was a moment when all these literatures came together and uh, had arguments and disagreements, which is what writers do best. If all the writers are agreeing, then something is wrong. So <laughs> yeah. that was the root of it. Right. Then after that, um, somebody called Fate Singh and Anokhi, uh, had, they had this heritage festival, Virasat, in Jaipur. And they asked me, along with William, to help to uh, create a literature festival there. So we did that for two years under the umbrella of Virasat. Mm -hmm. And then Faith asked Sanjo and Teamworks to take it over. And I'd say that is the moment when the festival got its current identity. Right. Because the support of uh, somebody like Sanjoy Roy and the incredibly talented people at Teamworks made it come together. Mm -hmm. Apart from that, it's a complete mystery to me yeah. how <laughs> a tiny festival has grown to become the largest festival in the world, the yeah. largest free festival in the world. The scale of it, the sustained quality of it, uh, it surprises me as much as it might anybody else. Though it should not surprise me because I have been a part of the process for the yeah. last uh, X number of years. But it has, that's the amazing thing about the brand. It has become a beast of its own. How, um, so let's let's talk more about the, the way the festival is put together by you, by you and William. Uh, we're about two weeks away right now yes. from, the, from the festival. You've already done all the curation of the conversations and all that. When does that process start for you? And how do you go about selecting uh, the panelists and the conversations? Um, the process doesn't start in the sense that it's an ongoing process. Mm -hmm. I've got um, rather uh, advanced notes for 2020. Right. <laughs> and I have a clear picture yeah. what I want to present as my segment there. But there is also happenstance. There is to see what issues come forward, right. who are the writers that emerge. So I, I cautiously watch, I take notes. I send out my first lot of invitations uh, by March or April itself. Right, right. You know, I mean, if I could, I'd invite everybody in March and April. But we have to watch out what are the new voices, what right. are the new books, especially those that are under the radar. The big ones the publishers tell us about. Mm -hmm. But the other ones, the new ones, the quieter voices, uh, one has to watch out. Yeah. Fortunately, there are so many people who love the festival, they write in, they alert me, they suggest things. So I, I'm, I'm surrounded by uh, ideas and conversations and people send me books and manuscripts. And so it's there. Yeah. But it's a question of curating it in a way that uh, it becomes a cross-section, a valid cross-section, a slice of life yeah. of what is happening around us. Uh, the Z Jaipur Literature Festival is a place where um, India interrogates itself, where we ask ourselves questions, where we give ourselves very different replies, where uh, we agree to disagree. And I think these are the things that make it yeah. so um, vibrant. I try, I have my own points of view on everything, of course, yeah. but I try to remain to some extent, ideologically 
neutral. Yeah. I always stand for justice. I always stand for quality, for good writing. But apart from that, there may be people I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. But I would say that they should have a platform to listen into other people and for other people to listen into them. Because um, a, a consequence of um, the first and new avatar of social media that we are witnessing, which I'm sure will change over the next decade, but at the moment it's a rather immature um, space. Mm-hmm. And people speak more than they listen. Yeah. And they often speak into echo chambers. So I like the festival to be a place where respectfully people listen in to each right. other's books, ideas and thoughts. And the other obsession I have, of course, is with multilinguality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the greatest gift India has in its literary culture is that we have 24 national languages and uh, <clears throat> hundreds of mother tongues and thousands and thousands of dialects. And these are in a state of constant play. Some new languages are coming up. Many languages are dying out. And uh, I try very hard to showcase these voices. This was my founding thought as a founder director. I'd made it clear that this should be a space where international writers come in and we hear them, but they hear us. I didn't want it to be a club made for international writers to come to Jaipur and listen. Mm -hmm. No, we all listen to each other. So Rajasthani voices are as important to me as Hindi voices. Urdu is a language throughout India that is revered for its poetry and its literary quality. Malayalam has some of the greatest writing. Tamil is a classical language, as well as being a very modern language. Bangla, well, more people speak Bangla than they speak French. Mm-hmm. And I think there is no language anywhere with the literary legacy and mm-hmm. repertoire of recent Bengali writing in the last two or three centuries. Right. So, <coughs> then... All these languages, not southeast, west of India, it's it's not only Indian languages, these also South Asian languages. Mm-hmm. Because you have to remember, Bangladesh and uh, Bengal share uh, a joint literary heritage, which is jointly revered yeah. and celebrated. So we often have writers from Bangladesh and Bengal in India speaking to each other in sessions. Uh, Nepal, we have more Nepali speakers in India than we have in Nepal and Nepalese writers. And the uh, Maithili is the second language of Nepal as well. So we have a lot of conversations with Nepalese writers. So what do we say? Tamil we share with Sri Lanka. And uh, Malayalam is all over the Saudi countries. Tamil is in Singapore. Yeah. It's everywhere. This yeah. is a South Asian literary culture. Right. And having said that, I write in English and I think English is one of the greatest uh, literary languages in the world. It is flexible. It is everywhere. And of course, English is an Indian language. We have the second largest uh, publishing um, setup in India of anywhere in the world in English publishing. Yeah. So all these things, we make sure we have writers from Spain, from France, from the Arab countries. So the whole thing comes together into yeah. a beautiful mosaic. The festival in itself has, has become its, an institution in, in Indian culture as well. 
it has the people see it as people respect the conversations the people that come there how would you say that as as the festival director you are able to keep it relevant and accessible to the, all the people that interact with it see i think it helps that i'm not an academic and um, i have a healthy respect more than a healthy respect i have a very deep respect for popular culture which is often misunderstood mm. people say why do you have these people from bollywood here yeah. because bollywood is casts away a lot of indian people think so and i also have sessions on sanskrit we have a session on panini and the old indian grammars we have a session on the puranas this year so it's all yeah. mixed up right. but the past and the present are equally important to me young people are important to me mm-hmm. so i'd say uh, intuitively yet cautiously try to do it uh, williams deep interest in history gives another perspective right. williams deep understanding of art gives another perspective so somehow uh, it comes together yeah yeah but uh, can never be perfect there at the end of every festival there are things i wish i had done there are things i wish i hadn't put together right. but that is bound to happen but i think the the affection and respect that readers and uh, people who want to belong to a life of the mind why they give it is because there is something in the atmosphere there it is extremely participative the real stakeholders with us are our audiences and most of the writers who from around the world who come there what they rave about later is the quality of those audiences right. a hand will go up it look like a young school girl or a young school boy and they just might ask the most profound and intelligent question possible right. so it's it's the young and the old but the the engagement and of the audiences uh that makes it what it is right because that engagement in turn inspires the speakers to give more of themselves yeah so as the festival uh we're approaching it quite quickly now uh all the planning and all of that the final session list all of that is being uh pretty much sealed when you walk into the festival you're walking in as a writer yourself as a publisher as the director of the festival and also as a moderator for several uh, of the conversations how do you when session starts when when all the festival starts which how are you able to wear all these multiple hats well i think the only hat i wear when i enter the festival is that of a founder and a director and uh, the brief i give myself is to spend time with writers and see that they are comfortable and that they small and the large problems are of course solved by our wonderful logistics team at teamworks yeah. but the small problems the anxieties i just help them not okay. those things yeah. out because i know how it is as a writer myself if you travel long distances and those long distances could be within india or outside mm-hmm. and you go to speak writers are not performers all of them yeah, some are yeah. there's a certain anxiety about it uh, there's a certain sense of responsibility and uh, 
what I do try to see is that there's a lot of communication between the panels, that they get the books they want, that, that they generally feel that we are also investing all we can in that session or that panel yeah. so that uh, they know that they are valued in cancer. So speaking of the panels, how, what is the general thinking behind putting together a panel in terms of the, the voices that you want to be there? Um, one thing I'm clear about is that I resist manners. I try to have women as far as possible in sessions. Right. It's not always possible because there may be sessions with only women and there may be sessions with only men. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, mansplaining and man wisdom yeah. alone, yeah. without uh, the balance of other voices, uh, doesn't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. Similarly, uh, I tried to avoid having only voices of entitlement and privilege right. um, who come with their sense of intellectual worth, which is great, but also always listen in from the grassroots, listen in from down up, and keep the conversations as real as possible. But apart from that, there's no rule. It just depends on the session. Is it centered around a particular book? Is it centered around a... Um, particular theme? Is it an uneasy mix of two books and three themes? Yeah. I mean, it, it's really, um, it's very difficult to say. Yeah, yeah. So the festival's been around for over a decade now. You have had thousands and thousands of speakers. How, I mean, thousands of panels by now. When you look back at the legacy that, that the festival has had, to you personally, what a memory or two that that stick out as something that you you know that oh wow we 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 did that we were we were a part of that experience well let's say that the salman rushdie year was a defining year for us because we encountered the limits of what we could not do we wanted to have salman rushdie yeah. speak at the festival and um, political circumstances social circumstances uh, made sure that we didn't that was a lasting regret, yes. but I'm glad it it passed that moment, which could have been very dangerous uh, yeah. within the festival. Apart from that, I personally am very proud of the fact that over the years, since 2011, in fact, we have had regular and enthusiastic participation of Dalit writers. Um, many of them over the years have We've watched them grow and mature. Some We've lost some dear friends. In 2011, we had the great uh, and iconic writer and my dear personal friend, Om Prakash Valmiki. He died some years ago. But I think his sessions, his recitation of his um, poems, it moved everybody mm. beyond belief. And um, this year again, we will have five or six uh, Dalit writers are very different persuasions. Yeah. I also am proud of the multilinguality of it. I am proud of having had somebody like Gloria Stanham come there. Yeah. It was one of those heartwarming memories to see her drinking chai from <laughs> the Chaiwala and listening in. Yeah. By the way, that Chaiwala from Pushkar is the magnetic center <laughs> of reflection and deep conversations. Um, there, there are just uh, too many thoughts but to, to share, but 
let me give you an example of mm. how the festival can be a transformative space. Last year, I invited somebody called Manoranjan Beopari. That was, uh, he's a Dalit writer from Bangladesh who moved to India, who had a very uh, checkered and a very difficult life, I'd say. And he had been to jail and he learned to read and write there. Yeah. And then, uh, Devi, um, he was pulling a rickshaw and she was sitting in his rickshaw. And she, um, he asked her the meaning of some word and they mm -hmm. got into a conversation. She made him begin writing for her journal. Yeah. He's a well-known writer now. Yeah. He's done eight books. One of his books was translated, so we had him last year. It was in English, so made him more accessible. And now, he, this year, he's been published by Amazon. Uh, eight of the books are being translated into different right. languages. So it has remade his life. Yeah. And I am so proud that we could help platform him. Mm -hmm. Because in this very crowded literary world, you need to hear a diversity of voices and then see which of them is reaching out to you, mm -hmm. likely or unlikely. Mm -hmm. So, um, Manoranjan Biyapari will be coming back this year. Yeah. Then, having Mahashweta Devi years ago, I think 2013, listening to Mahashweta Devi, and she gave her keynote address where she famously said that the right to dream should be the first and most, and most fundamental human right. What led to the creation of the Jaipur Bookmark? So, the Jaipur Bookmark began because we found we had so many um, very uh, well-known, well-respected publishers from around the world attend the festival. And so we would have a specially curated set of sessions around publishing and around translation. These were so popular that we decided to have a separate segment, what we would call it the Jaipur Bookmark. It has a nice, easy yeah. feel about yeah. it. For the first uh, two years, it was in a separate venue. Now it's moved to the main venue. And it is a hub for publishers to know and to speak to each other, to speak to international writers. It brings the world to our doorstep yeah. in terms of publishing access. Uh, the international publishers also get a chance to understand the very segmented vast and bewildering Indian publishing market. So it's happening. It's getting its own identity. I think the programming we've done this year is the best ever. How has being um, being a part of the festival uh, in the way everything is put together, how do you think it has affected you yourself as a, as a writer and a storyteller? Well, I'd say it takes away a lot of time <laughs> from being a storyteller and a writer. But at the same time, it gives me so much because I read differently for the festival. Yeah. And uh, I meet so many writers. There are so many uh, sort of silent learnings from there. But I've tried to keep the two on parallel tracks. Mm. I try not to project myself as a writer when I'm in the festival. Right. Because, but at the same time, being a writer, I know how writers' anxieties, how their thinking is. Yeah. So I'm able to look after them better. But I don't think of myself as a writer while I'm in the Jaipur Festival space.
Though, of course, some of my books do have sessions there because I can't discriminate <laughs> against myself either. Right, but. right. <laughs> so um, you published your first book 30-odd years ago. And when there was nothing like this festival, let's say that there's a, a young writer listening to this, hoping to uh, attend the festival itself or hoping to listen to all the panels that we're going to be covering on the podcast. What would you, what kind of little piece of advice would you have for them in terms of what they can get out of something like this? Well, I'd say that uh, very little advice I can offer because my book came out, Paro Dreams of Passion, came out in 1984, which is almost 35 years ago now. Mm -hmm. The publishing scene has changed so completely that was I that young girl again, yeah. I would not recognize it. The opportunities are different. The The whole uh, medium is different. Yeah. Books are audio books. Books are e-books. There's the digital space. Yeah. So that young woman who wrote Paro when she was 26 would have immense learnings from here. But it, it's just because publishing is writing, publishing, speaking. It's such a seamless... Uh, experience of self-expression now that I think audiences young and old when they come there even if they get in some scattered impressions from because we have five sessions at a time six sessions at a time and they all have very different nuances yeah. so sometimes you can wander from two to three sessions and pick up <laughs> all different kind of gyan you know yeah. but uh, I've seen people in their 70s and their 80s coming to the festival and being inspired to write their first book. And the people who are writing uh, continues to shock me because I'm an old lady that uh, we have 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds writing yeah. their books, publishing with degree of confidence. So on both sides of the spectrum, age is not a thing. Yeah. Each human being has a particular life script and then they have the life script which they didn't lead, the life they wonder about, the road not taken. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think for each of us to record our life scripts and also our yearnings and fantasies adds to the greater narrative of the human mind. I think uh, space is now much more expanded than it was. Yeah. Uh, because there's a space for everybody's story to fit in into the um, in, in, into the larger uh, memory, collective memory uh, that technology provides. I wouldn't be surprised if in the future a lot of the narratives actually come through curated by artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah. I'm not so far away. This year, my emphasis is on science, the sciences. And um, reducing the distances between the arts and the sciences, which are mm -hmm. a completely artificial thing. And uh, I hope that uh, this will also impact the way people think, because we are on the cusp of a really unknown future. And understanding technology and understanding science and understanding the environment, these are essential things every uh, writer must think about besides the eternal questions of human nature, which yeah. literature is obsessed by. But there are also these things because we are on the cusp of change. 
let's see. I think the Jaipur Festival gives a place for all of us to listen in and see and hear new voices, old voices. Uh, it, it, it is, as we know, a very special experience. Thank you for listening to Jepper Bites. This podcast is produced by Launchora, a storytelling and creative learning platform, in partnership with Teamwork Arts, the producers of the Z Jepper Literature Festival. We'll be posting new episodes of Jepper Bites every week leading up to the 2019 festival, which will be held from January 24th to 28th in Jepper. During the five-day festival, whether you are in Jepper or not, you'll be able to listen to many of the unmissable panels and conversations right here on Jepper Bites. We'll be posting those conversations throughout the day, each day of the festival. You can listen and subscribe to Jepper Bites on multiple platforms and apps, including Launchora, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor, for absolutely free. Again, thank you for listening. <laughs>